The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice-building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential-focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. I'd like to welcome Amy Thomas um, from AIM Counseling, and uh, she's going to be speaking with us today from Bonita Springs, Florida, and talking about her practice, and she uses a strength-based approach to allow individuals, couples, and families to experience a safe environment in which to increase knowledge and awareness regarding emotions. Uh, She really, really emphasizes the role of psychoeducation as a key pillar in the work that she does at AIM Counseling. She believes that knowledge is power and a means in which to learn how to be more in control of the abstract experience of our emotions. Amy is a licensed mental health counselor and a certified trauma and loss specialist. Uh, She has experience working with children, teens, and adults to assist in rebuilding balance. Um, She's been operating AIM Counseling, her private practice, since 2014. And prior to that, uh, she worked in the nonprofit realm, specializing in the treatment of trauma. And she really believes in the creative process and infusing that in the work that she does with clients to help them increase self-understanding and finding their voice. And um, at her practice, her and her associates are trained and supervised to provide quality and effective mental health care. Welcome, Amy. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. So, um, what fueled you to leave the realm of nonprofit and go out and launch your own practice? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, since 2005, after I graduated uh, from graduate school, I was in the nonprofit world at a, a few different settings and continuing to learn and grow and recognizing in my own self of where that ceiling was for myself, where I've learned as much as I can learn and I want mm. to move forward yeah. and do something new so I can expand on my skills. And so um, in 2014, I actually was uh, just about to give birth to my, my son. And so it was just, it was one of those things where the, everything just kind of came together and it just seemed like this was the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, just of course, not knowing what the unknown of having a child and what that's going to <laughs> look like and be like. Um, so I put my resignation in, uh, but it, it was a resignation, but it was such a, it was such an amazing experience working in uh, the Children's Advocacy Center in Lee County for the, the seven years prior. I, that, that agency allowed me to grow mm-hmm. as a professional and as a person. And I'm so thankful for my time working there. So it was a very, it was a very bittersweet situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know I needed a little bit more flexibility uh, to be able to be the mom that mm-hmm. I really wanted to, I wanted to be able to be as hands-on as I possibly could with my son. And I knew that flexibility was key. And so I wanted to be in charge of that. And so that was one of the biggest reasons uh, that I moved over to private practice. However, I had two amazing colleagues that had ventured out before me and that was saving me a spot. So um, I really, Heather Wynn and Jessica Carr, they ha- are amazing clinicians and it was a pleasure to be in the same space as them and to start to collaborate and mm-hmm. it kind of showed me the ropes a little bit and uh, allowed me the space to do my own thing. So you had some mentorship and support as you yes. made that transition which is always really helpful. Yes. Um, and so when you first transitioned and your son was born, how, um, how did you 
structure that time? How were you able to make that work? And in a lot of ways, I think opening your own practice is a lot like raising a, a, a child in some ways. It's There's a birthing process that does happen. And um, I, I can't fathom holding bo- both of those at the same time and doing all of that work at the same time. Uh, I'm very blessed that I had a sense of naivety about what was about to happen because if I had known, things might have been different. I remember going in for my 20-week ultrasound and the the ultrasound tech, she was asking me about my life and blah, blah, blah. And I told her what I was about to embark on. She's like, you're going to start a business and have a baby. I was like, yeah, why not? (laughs) But that has always stuck with me. Like, she knew it. (laughs) But um, my son was born in March and I opened up my doors May 10th. So it was about a two month process. Um, There was some time before that I was able to start thinking about things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I know that I started slowly. And so I have a very uh, supportive husband. And so Saturdays were my days. And I, Mm. it was very good for me because I had to totally let go of control as a mommy and all right, it's all you. And he really rose to the occasion and he has a wonderful relationship with our son. So I do see it as a blessing because he had to jump in Mm -hmm. completely. Um, And I would work a few afternoons uh, and he would come home early from work. So we really just tried to, I was building and building and building as I was going. And I think looking back, the building process was mm. enormous. Mm-hmm. Um, due to the dynamics of the situation, I wasn't able to jump in yeah. uh, completely full time. Um, so it was a very tricky balance. And I think that uh, maybe I, I would have taken a, a little bit more time for myself knowing what I know now, but at the end of the day, I, it always works out the way it's supposed to. Yeah, no. And, and it sounds like it, it did that, you were you had that flexibility to spend so much time with your child, which I think is really important. Um, as therapists, we know how important attachment <laughs> plays in the role of a child's life, and so that's great that you are able to have all that time and and just focus on Saturdays and slowly build, right? Mm-hmm. That there wasn't a there wasn't a sense of like, oh my goodness, I have to have it full and thriving like immediately that you could do it over time because you didn't necessarily have the time as well. No. And I think it was also pushing, pushing limits where I think that's what has to happen too. When you start something brand new, like you said earlier, uh, we're, we're trained as clinicians. We're not business. And I, if I had known, I would have taken some business classes, but so there was such a learning curve and there was a lot of stress that was happening, but it was, it, it forced me to continue to develop my coping strategies and become more flexible. And so Mm -hmm. I am so thankful for that. It was very stressful, but it opened up my world and -hmm. I would never take it back, even though there was times of like, Oh, but that, that led me to, you know, know who my support people are Mm -hmm. and they were there. And so a, a very amazing process. It's just making sure I was always looking towards the future. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to start small and then big and big and big. And then now I'm trying to do more fit into something different so I can have even more flexibility. Ooh. Constant growth. Constant growth. Are you wanting a vacation in paradise? A vacation to rekindle the passion? A vacation without the kids? A vacation where you can learn how to communicate, where you and your partner hear each other and gain insight? Vacation counseling is your next vacation. Stay in one of our exclusive villas for the ultimate couples retreat. Enjoy dining, boating, and all that South Florida has to offer. Let our counselors guide you through the rest. Vacation counseling, accepting applications for summer 2020. Visit www.vacationcounseling.com for more information. Can you speak about that process? Because I do think it's almost like, you know, there's there's some pruning that has to happen. Sometimes the growth is going in so many different directions that you don't have the brain space to really allocate or time to allocate each section what it actually needs and you have to kind of prune back. Can you speak a little bit about your process and how you've been going about doing that? 
sure. Uh, at the beginning, of, of course, it was, I didn't know what to expect. And, you know, being out of the workforce and having a baby, like you're just a little bit, um, a little fuzzy. And so it took sure. me a little while to, you know, get rid of those sea legs and to get really confident again. And I just, I was feeling it. I was really feeling what was happening and I was noticing the referrals coming in and it was just word of mouth. Like I, I paid attention to the marketing aspect of it and that it didn't seem that's where I, I didn't want to put my money there. I just wanted to make sure that I was giving the best quality to my clients. And that was how I, that's how I built and, you know, making sure I was writing treatment summaries for psychiatrists so they could start to see my work mm-hmm. and, you know, that benefited the client as well as myself. And it, it and it benefited the psychiatrist. And that's just one example. Um, so hustling, number one, and, mm-hmm. and doing the extra work. Yeah. You really put yourself out there. And what I learned as I was just doing what I do, this is what I believe that quality care is, is that the referrals just kept coming and coming and coming. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> um, I'm not afraid of hard work. And so my, my biggest problem is putting on the brakes. And so I had to pay attention to that. I'm not good at it. I'm still not good at it. I'm getting better. <laughs> and putting on the brakes, uh, recognizing, you know, where I needed the assistance. And that was billing because I was taking, in, I am taking insurance. Okay. So I, um, uh, wonderful, uh, person that I know and her mom had just gone into retirement and she had some background in regards to medical billing. And so I was still pretty small at that point. Um, so she was able to kind of help me get some systems down, but it was also a release of control. Yeah. And which was difficult, but at the same time I trusted her. So, um, I do, I'm so thankful for that opportunity because I trusted her as a person mm-hmm. and that no matter what, so I could, it was easier for me to re- release that control. So I had more time. So I continued yeah. to build and take on more people and it just kept happening. And then I realized I was growing out of my space. And uh, so I expanded my practice in April, 2019. I actually moved right next door, the suite next door. Oh, nice. Um, yes. And so I have the, that connectedness to my colleagues. Um, and I hired um, somebody that, Juja Gall, who's my billing administrator now, who had a lot of experience with medical billing because it just gets so much. Yeah. Um, and you, you really have to know the ins and outs of things or you're just going to get swallowed up by the system. It is so incredibly challenging. I feel like there were two things that as I grew, I was ready to give up. Um, that were scary, but I knew that I couldn't handle it anymore. And one was billing and the other was phones. Yes. Um, but the billing piece, I, I was like, I can't continue to do this. I would, I would go home on a Friday and try to get as much as I could done Friday night so that I could have my weekend. But a lot of times it would roll over. I'm like, I'm spending anywhere between seven to 10 hours, just managing billing because it's not just submitting the claims. It's then reconciling the other claims that come in and going back and saying, Hey, they didn't pay me for that. They denied this. And then you're like, okay, well now I have to put that on the list of got to call them up and figure out why they didn't and how to fix it. Or, and it, it just became grueling and you realize I'm, these are, this is time I actually could be spending doing client work or working in a different capacity in the business. Um, so that's great that you have somebody in house doing that for you. Oh, it was the best decision. I mean, it was so wonderful to have my first, it was, it was just, it was ladder approach and, um, you know, hiring somebody that I didn't necessarily know as a person, um, was again, it was a different release of control, but I had to do it if, if I wanted to grow. But again, you know, I have specific qualities that I expect. Um, if somebody's going to be working for me, they have to be able to um, embody the values that I provide in a therapeutic setting, even though they may have a different role. You know, the level of professionalism, the level of quality work, and the thoroughness. And so that was something that guided me and I've had her for a year and I can't tell you how thankful I am to 
for her because that just helped me get to a bigger point and allow me to like just kind of feel this process okay what's next and where does this go and I, I wish I had a I wish it, there was a concrete step-by-step -step plan and I'm sure that somebody has created that um, but I know I probably couldn't have gone by that I would have looked at it and said that's nice but I don't operate like that I wish I did um, <laughs> life would be so much easier <laughs> yeah but I just kind of like I had to I have a uh, I had a visualization of what I wanted Mm -hmm. And I just kind of felt the process moving forward and where I was. And it was, it's been extremely uncomfortable due to the lack of control and the lack of concrete step one, step two, step three, but I'm just trusting mm -hmm. myself and staying connected with myself. Yeah. And it seems like things continue to fall into place. And if mm -hmm. something is off, I create a new system that is more effective and having that non-judgmental approach to my business development. Absolutely. I think that's, it's actually very freeing to go, okay, this isn't working. I don't have to keep it. I can change it and like make it something new where in a system, like in an agency, I remember working where I was doing in home and I had to produce two separate, um, like two separate itemized, uh, reports for, um, like mileage for the mileage that I drove. I'm like, why do I have to write this in two different ways? This is so, this is such a waste of my time, right? There's this level of inefficiency, but in an agency, you can't change it because oh, that's what they need to do. That's, that's what they needed. Um, but in our agency, in our practice, we can change it so that it can be <laughs> more efficient and more effective and we can work smarter and not harder. Um, yes. And I think too, of, um, uh, keeping it small. Like I really want to, I have two really great therapists working underneath my supervision and I really want to keep things small so I can keep the quality and keep the systems as efficient as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause that's where my headspace is right now. I'm not thinking macro. I'm thinking very small. And so I got to keep it that way to keep things good for everybody. I want a life that I can love my job and be a healthy relationship with my job. Yeah. I'm not here all the time, but I need to provide that for them as well, not just myself. And so I have to create systems that allow that. Definitely. So Definitely. until I get this mastered, I got to keep things small. <laughs> I, I, I agree. And, and it's a, it's a work in progress, right? Like you're just doing the steps. Okay. I've gotten this part. I've mastered that. Okay. It's time to take another step forward. What else can I do? What else can I do? And it's a constant refinement with the systems, I think. Um, yeah. And so how long, um, did it take you to work up to a place where you're like, um, I really need other therapists to help me support the referrals that are coming into my practice. I just can't take on any more clients. Like my caseload's too big. You know, I was actually just thinking about that this morning, driving into work. I think, um, so I started May in 2014 and here we are 2019, the end of the year. And I expanded officially in April with this new office. I think I waited too long. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And I, it was just such a conflict because I was so comfy cozy and I just loved my work environment and I loved the girls that I were um, associating with in my clients. And I was just trying to make it all work um, mm -hmm. because the overhead was something that was really enticing because it was super low. Mm -hmm. um, but I think if I had, uh, um, if I could go back, I'd probably do it a year earlier mm -hmm. just so it would have saved me. Um, it would have offered me more time for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and, but again, like you, you live and you learn. And yeah. so I don't take it back by any means, but I think I should have taken that risk, but honestly, I wasn't ready, willing and able to, to take sure. that risk. And I need to make sure that my confidence is sturdy um, with where I'm at. And so I don't take it back, but I wish my confidence was where it needed to be a year prior. Mm -hmm. um, but so here I am, it's been a little over five years and I have two wonderful therapists and a billing uh, administrator. And so that's, that's the amount of time that it took me, but, that's, but that's, that's a great place to be, um, five years in, right? 
like that's a that's a wonderful place to be. Some therapists don't make it five years. <laughs> right? They close yeah, their doors. Proud of what's happened, but I'm also thankful for, you know, I know that this is it's my business, it's my practice, but I know that I I recognize people have helped me along the way back, you know, undergraduate school, like mm-hmm. the mentors in high school. Like I, I really try to keep that in mind to, mm-hmm. to remain humble in, in this growing adventure. Cause there's so many people that have contributed to me, which has contributed mm-hmm. to what I'm able to do now, including my clients. I've learned from every single one of them. That's so true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was talking with somebody else earlier and we were talking about the exchange that happens, right? There's always an exchange and, um, and if we're open to receiving it, then that allows growth and, and forward momentum. Mm -hmm. Um, so it sounds like your business was ready to take on more, but you as a clinician and the owner were, were not, and you didn't, take on more, which is probably a good thing, right? There's a certain awareness of what we're able to handle and ready to handle. And I think especially as new business owners, it is so difficult and scary to take the next step of hiring somebody to do billing, of hiring an assistant to answer your phones or help you with other administrative tasks and taking on other therapists to um, see clients on, because that person's also going to be a reflection of you, the quality of care that you provide, the work that you provide. And, um, and it is scary because it's a lot of hard work and energy that goes into building a practice. So um, I can understand and appreciate that hesitance of like, I need more time to get there. Um, But what were the signs? Like, how did you know that your business was ready? And how did you know when you were ready? Uh, I remember distinctly, of course, I was always in my, my thinking uh, process. However, um, the leap, I, I remember <laughs> I was in uh, Jessica's office and I was, Juja was in there doing her, some billing things. Jessica was so kind. She wasn't working that day and allowed me to use her office as I was seeing clients in mine. And I was on the floor doing, handling charts and stuff. And I was just like, ah, like I just wanted a bust. And it was <laughs> such a visceral experience. And I'm like, I got to do something. I need more space. Like I, I can't try to keep doing what I'm doing in this container Mm. and there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. and I just it was a physical reaction I'll never forget it and then within two weeks it was you know looking for affordable space which is not easy to come by you know there's not that was like another whole process um and I so appreciate being able to move right next door to my colleagues in, a, in an affordable space because I don't want to raise my rates. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to raise my rates to the point where people can't access mental health. Yeah. But at the same time, as a business owner, we still have to have a, a decent profit and loss report at the end of the month. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, it, it all has to balance out. So that was, that was one of the first steps after I had that visceral experience. Um, then it was, okay, but what does this mean? And mm-hmm. what is this next step? So that was that. And my, my, uh, my husband, I've been very fortunate too, because he has some uh, business background and he was able to guide me in certain ways, or at least talk back and forth about what's a good idea, what's not the pros and cons of things. Mm-hmm. He's a thousand percent supportive, but uh, I didn't want to take too much risk initially, that first expansion. Yeah, of course not. Um, I, I, I think it's already a risk to expand, right? And then we want to make an informed decision based on um, financial projections that will be able to support that. Because once the scale starts to tip, you can, you can't be of service, right? If you can't pay your your lease for your office, you can't be of service. If you can't pay your car payment, you can't be of service. If you can't pay your 
own insurance, health insurance. Like if you get sick, you can't be of service. So we have to be attuned to the finances of the business part of what we're doing. And I think that's a big challenge for most therapists because we do want to help and we do want people to be able to access help. Yet at the same time, um, we have to be able to pay the the bills that it costs to run the business. <laughs> it's <Such> frustrating. A <laughs> <laughs> it is, and it's 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 a little bit uh, you know it's a little bit of fear, and I think it's healthy fear. Um, if we yeah. didn't have fear, we'd be making impulsive choices and or being too reactionary. So um, I appreciate the fear. But at the same time, it's it's difficult, and it's having the the proper coping mechanisms. And I guess that's why I appreciate the profession that I'm in because I'm, you know, spewing this stuff all day long. So it's like, okay, your turn, Amy. Right. <laughs> it's an easy way to remind yourself that, like, staying connected. You can't talk the talk and not walk the walk. Um, and there's days that it's easier than others, but big picture perspective, it's making sure that you're taking care and using the proper coping strategies to be able to this expansion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so how did you go about, okay, now you know you need the bigger space and you need therapists to help you, or at least one therapist to help you. How did you go about the process of finding somebody to come in and work under you? Um, because again, that is a very intimidating um, process. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I think that as I had been like in the private practice world, I was networking and really trying to recognize the expertise outside of my own office and connecting with other professionals and just building those relationships and learning from them about what they do, whether they do something similar or something different. And so that really helped because. Um, uh, Audra Boxma, who is a behavioralist in Naples, mm -hmm. Florida, she, um, she came across a wonderful intern and she says, you know, I can offer her this much, but Hey, can you offer her this much? And I was like, uh, so it fell into my lap. And this person is like, I really trust and appreciate the working relationship that I have with Audra. So, so it was, it was kind of like things fell into place in that situation, uh, where we both could help each other, but we could also help um, the, the person just, just coming out of school. That's and, awesome. Yes. And the, the other, um, I had an intern that was referred, um, by Dr. Mike Rizzo and he runs the rainforest camp. And so it was like that working relationship. He had met her through, I don't even know how, and he was like, Hey, why don't you touch base with her? And we met and it worked out. So it was just like happenstance mm -hmm. and it's, but, but it's being open. Um, mm. that was new for me. Like just being open to sure. Let's try it. Let's, let me talk to this person. Let's see, you know, how I feel about it. Let me hear the logic behind it and move forward. And a, another wonderful, uh, therapist, uh, that this is like complete luck. She, uh, is doing her finishing up her graduate studies um, in an online program in, from Indiana and moved to this area and was just, hey, here I am. And I talked to her and I really liked her. There's certain things mm -hmm. that I'm looking for and sure. I'm not looking for necessarily, um, skills are beautiful and wonderful, but it, I need the core. I need the core of the kind of professional that I want to be in my office. And so that's what I was really listening for. Skills can be learned. And that's mm -hmm. really my job um, to make sure that that is happening, the training and mm -hmm. the supervision. So um, a lot of it's, I have to say a little bit's been luck and um, wonderful support from other professionals that have been helping me along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but again, it's always being in tune to, okay, this is how it is first. I mean, just like any relationship, I, I like this, this feels good, but then constantly assessing is this continuing in the in the forward direction that I need it to mm -hmm. to continue to to uh, develop the practice that embodies what I need it to to have and so making decisions along the way uh, according to to those that groundwork that foundation mm -hmm. that I'm trying to build yeah and so the clinicians that are working with you 
do they carry uh, the same size caseload or are, are their caseloads smaller than yours? How, how do you balance that out? Very slow. And that's, I didn't have them come on right away. It's been, everything's been such a gradual process because I want to mold and modify. And I guess that's maybe a sense of control where I just want to make sure because this is, uh, they are under my reputation that mm -hmm. I have worked very hard to build. Mm -hmm. And so, which in that in turn has made me have more, like it would have been so much easier just to send referrals their way, but I don't think that that was the right thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, so I continue to take referrals and slowly, um, uh, Rose Ballier, she is uh, my graduate student that's just about to graduate. So she's been my clinical administrative assistant where she's starting to, she's doing the initial phone calls. So I've started mm -hmm. to give control there. So she's getting great experience connecting and assessing on the phone, staffing with me, and then I'm seeing how she does. And then she, then I'm giving her certain cases and seeing how she does and she's doing a beautiful job. Um, she's so very self-aware. And um, so that's really, I'm, I'm just kind of, uh, Kind of assessing as I go, mm -hmm. just kind of like what we do with a client. I mean, it's beautiful to develop a concrete treatment plan, but people are people and they're complex. And so we kind yes. of have to, it's very similar, not that I'm, they're my clients, but I use a similar approach to know how much they're ready for, mm -hmm. um, but also getting their feedback. I want to know where their comfort zone is and, and why that is, why their comfort zone is where it is. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a teamwork. Mm -hmm. I'm really big on team because I have my experience, but those girls have already taught me stuff and I want to be better. So, and they want to be better too. So let's all put our strengths in a bucket and swish it all around and see how we can help people. Yeah. Um, I was talking with somebody earlier and they, the, this topic of like collaboration came up and how important it is and how in the work that we're doing, um, there really isn't any competition um, amongst the, the team of people that are operating their own individual practices. It's, it's really about collaboration because there's only so many people in a day, in a week, that one therapist can be in front of you know, but there's a lot more people that need the help. Um, I think I'm going to sneeze. So excuse me if I do. <laughs> no problem. Take your time. <laughs> excuse me. Um, so like building those relationships with the people um, within your practice, but outside your practice too, because oftentimes people come in and you know what, they're just, they're not a good fit. And in order for them to get the help that they need, we need to know, like, go through our little Rolodex of who do I know that does this, that's going to check off the boxes for them that I can push their way. And hopefully that person has availability and openings. I feel like oftentimes the people that, um, that are really good don't have openings. They're like yes. <laughs> really full. Um, so it's a constant getting out there and collaborating with other people. And it also brings that sense of unity that I think it's a basic need that we need that sense of belongingness. You know, I really, mm -hmm. I really, um, when I was working in the other suite and as this suite, like, you know, even if we're not in this, we're not, we all have separate businesses or whatever it may be, like we're still together. We're, we're social creatures. Mm -hmm. We need we need to know that somebody has our back, um, or whatever it may be. It just it just I like the environment, and it's creating the environment that is a healthy environment, because what we do on a daily basis is really heavy, mm -hmm. um, and it's very it, it can be very draining. And to make sure that the people in the office are are a healthy match for us to you know, this one is super goofy and can make us laugh. And yes, we need a goofball in the office because <laughs> things get serious. We need people, uh, a very diverse group of people that can get along and work as a team to support each other through mm -hmm. this very meaningful, but challenging work. 
Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. And, and it's one that I've heard from clinicians that have worked in private practice for a long time, but where they formed their practice was in isolation and they never grew to a point where they added on other clinicians. And they end up leaving private practice and going back into um, some other work because of that. Um, so I think that is a, a really good point that you're making. And it's important for us if we're, we don't have the good fortune of having sweet mates <laughs> or being in an office space where um, we have that ability to collaborate with our colleagues, how do we create that for ourselves um, outside so we don't feel so disconnected and we don't feel like we're working in isolation? I think that's really important. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, what do you think has been, um, most influential in helping you keep going when things are difficult? Cause it does get difficult, it does get challenging, um, and overwhelming sometimes being the primary therapist and you're holding a large caseload, but then you're also now overseeing other people's work and managing the administration of a business. There's like so many different hats. Um, what is it that you do or what resource has helped you to be able to most effectively manage that? Uh, my... I would say two things like internal resources and external resources. So my internal resources, I think it's just how I'm wired. Uh, I was uh, an athlete growing up. I, I'm just a very driven person. And mm -hmm. so uh, my wiring helps. And I, you know, going through my sport from age five and all the way through college as a senior, you know, that, that was uh, extremely, um, it built my confidence to know that, that you can build things and it takes a long time and there's a lot of ups and downs, mm -hmm. but it's the big picture right. and really everything you gain from that. Uh, external resources and support. Uh, I, I think it's just really paying attention to the positive mm -hmm. and knowing where I want to be. You know, I want to mm -hmm. be able to do this profession that it just seems like that's why I'm here on this earth. Like it just fits. It just really fits but I'm kind of maybe um, greedy. I want it all. Like I want to be able to be home with my family and make dinner and maybe pick up the kid from school um, or go to his field trips. But I also want to be in the space that uh, I've been in since I was 20 something. So, so I'm greedy. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to create something that allows me to do both. And so keeping the end in mind, Mm -hmm. You know, that that's where I'm headed and all of these ups and downs is leading me there to create systems that work and have great relationships with quality professionals that have the same morals and values that I do. And I'm helping them. They're helping me and we're helping the community. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I really try to keep about the big picture perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big so, picture perspective. Not get stuck on the little stuff. Not get stuck. Yeah, that's important because yeah. there's so many little things that we could get sucked down the drain from. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so what what do you have in plans? Is there anything else that you have in the works in terms of the growth that you're doing business wise? Um, projects? Anything like that? I think I actually um, I have. In this new office space, I have an art room and I have, it's attached to a group room and I really want to continue to expand. And I'm, I think I'm a little bit annoying because I keep changing things like, oh, I don't like how this looks. I want it to fit. Like I'm constantly changing um, that space around to be most conducive to what we need mm -hmm. um, and to know how everything fits. So I'm still like settling into my space. Mm -hmm. And so with that, there's continued growth. Um, but like I said earlier, I, I, I have, a, it's very important to me that children 
my son goes to Collier County School, so that's why I'm saying Collier, and it's smaller than Lee. Um, mm-hmm. But I really, I believe Lee, Collier County. It's so important to me that we develop a really effective and adaptive um, curriculum with uh, mental health professionals performing these services in the school. I don't even know what that looks like, but continuing to do the work with children and families and learning what is really truly needed. I believe empathy is so important. We need self-awareness. We, there's just the psychoeducation piece. If we had that going on, just like math and reading, just as important as sight words and all of that, like, uh, and it just be so ingrained. I, I went to my child's school uh, for um, bring your parents to a school morning and mm-hmm. during the morning activities through the video, they were doing deep breathing. And I was like, Oh, this is so awesome. I love it. <laughs> and I, I want to I see what's actually happening. I need to get a little bit outside my office and really see what's happening in the schools and see where there's holes and how, you know, gather some more professionals that have a like-minded vision and put us all together and see what we can do to implement. Not that what's happening now is not good enough. It's just that we need more. And these, these teachers need more support uh, because mental health will impede learning. And yes, and so I really believe that mental health is the foundation of health. And if we can continue with the psychoeducation with children, it's only going to transfer to the parents. And this is not therapy. This is just learning about, you know, mm-hmm. boundaries and that anger is a secondary emotion. There's always a, a more vulnerable emotion underneath. Like just that can make a world of difference. Right. Um, and Understanding how, you- how the brain works. Yes. Yes. <laughs> cool once you connect all the dots. And I think that's where creativity, I get excited about it because creativity, when I, when I figure out how somebody processes information, I can use my creativity to help them make connections mm-hmm. because when they can make connections, they can leave this office and then do something with it. Typically mm-hmm. why people come in, it's they're discombobulated in one way or another. They, it's all mushed together like a ball of yarn and we're organizing things to understand it. Mm-hmm. And then knowing uh, how to move forward with whatever the issue may be. Yeah. Getting so, them unstuck. Um, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so creative approaches and working with the psychoeducation with children is definitely important. But I'm also very loyal to uh, Neve Kanat and Rose Ballier, who are the therapists that are working underneath me, to really work on supporting them in their growth because they got such a solid foundation and uh, I need to make sure that I'm giving the time that they deserve because they're going to be such a great thing. They already are. And spending that time, I guess what I've learned too is bringing them on. I'm more, Oh wow. I kind of know some stuff that has helped. um, (laughs) That's that's so true. (laughs) When you're, when you're mentoring and like supervising (laughs) others, you're like, Oh wow, I guess I do know a little bit more than I give myself credit for. And when you're teaching, you're make you're, um, you're making things more linear and more concrete. And so I, I really feel that focusing a lot of my time with them is going to help me create what I want to be doing next. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of really where I'm at. I couldn't give you anything linear or. Ah, oh, that's okay. Up. So we'll see what happens, but that's really where my, my focus is. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I love the idea of developing a curriculum to bring into the school system. And I, and I, I, it made me think about what you were saying about the big picture, right? If we're looking at solving a larger scale problem, why aren't we developing a solution to implement at the beginning, right? Well, that solution is the psychoed piece going into the schools, making that part of the child's full education and understanding from the beginning not just a little snippet here and there, um, but really fully integrating that into the whole process from pre-K all the way to graduation and beyond. Absolutely. Um, And I also believe that, you know, our teachers are so overburdened with everything that they have to do and they have the most important job. Um, other than parenting, teaching children how to learn is, is everything. And 
they are required to do the social emotional snippets and it, it's just it's almost just not fair you know first mm -hmm. of all it, they they didn't go to school to be trained for mental health they were trained to be a teacher and that's where their expertise is and they have to take from something else in order to throw in the social emotional and it, it's just it, it's just as not if we can have some um, mental health professionals to do that part of it and then they're collaborating with the teachers oh my goodness like we're supporting the teachers as well as supporting the children and the parents like it just seems like a win-win I 100% agree 100% um, it would make a world of difference and hopefully with some of the legislative changes that are happening and how we're thinking about mental health and adding different mental health services um, into the schools um, maybe that will change and provide an opportunity for something like what you're talking about um, I know that in our both of our counties they did add funding I think they added funding for the entire state of Florida in terms of um, having different feet on the floor in the schools and being able to assess um, children in crisis and and provide some service but it's not the same um, benefit and impact as a project um, of what you're thinking about absolutely I actually had a young lady that uh, moved to another state she's in high school and uh, she was experiencing a few bouts of panic and anxiety just due to the role of the transition. And in that state, they had such an amazing program where these children could come in. They had a um, mentor to talk to. They were able to give her resources like in school. So it was almost like a little mini psychoed session in school because she was going through these challenges mm -hmm. and then there was follow-up. And it was almost like we need to find out what's working in other states and other counties because so many people are doing so many good things. We don't need yeah. to reboot the wheel. Um, but like you said, like everything's kind of coming together where people are recognizing the absolute necessity of mental health, that it's not just a, it's not just a bonus, it's a necessity. Yeah. And we need to see what's working in other places as well and bring it back to, to our area and see, you know, how our area can adapt and what we need to mold to make our, make sure our kids feel supported so they can be clear and learn. Yeah, right. If we're if we're dysregulated emotionally, that turns off the logical, concrete, sequential part of the brain, right. so they can't learn. And so, if we can just you know deliver that message over and over, like hopefully, <laughs> you <gonna> know, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be like okay, we we get it. We we see why this part is important. Makes sense now. Um, it's not just a behavior problem, right? The child isn't just being bad. <laughs> no, or lazy. There's so much more to it. Yeah. Um, so very cool. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to share with listeners today um, that you think would be helpful or inspiring for those getting ready to like launch themselves out into private practice or they're just starting off in their practice journey? Um, anything that you think would be beneficial? I, I think um, since uh, I was 20 some years old, uh, 21 years old, and I remember doing this activity, and I don't know where I was at the time, but they asked us to, you know, 20 years from now, envision, or 10 years, I can't remember, what do you hope to, to be in your career? And it must have been a college activity. And I, I drew it out and I will never forget like what I drew mm. and it has come to life. And, and I'm not saying that if you, I'm not promoting the secret here, if you see it, it will happen, but it, it's, it's part of the equation because there's so many more pieces to the puzzle. Um, there's the grit, there's the hard work, there's, there's the, you know, the timing of things, mm -hmm. you know, timing is everything as well. Um, but really envisioning like what you really want and, um, and then being courageous enough to do what you need to do to make that happen. Mm -hmm. um, I, there's these little things that I, I don't forget. And I think that helped guide me too. I remember I had a friend, first year of graduate school, first, first semester, I was like, oh, I'm ripping my hair out. Like, this is so hard. I don't know how to do this. Ugh. And my friend said to me, but Amy, this is what you wanted. And I was like, oh, 
Yeah. Darn it. Like, that's right. That's <laughs> what I wanted. So be quiet, push through the hard stuff and just embrace it. Like, yeah, it's going to be hard, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. So it's also like paying attention to whether it's a friend or, you know, somebody on TV that says this one line or like, listen, like be open to guidance, mm-hmm. be open to opportunities. And, you know, if it's not a good opportunity after you try it, you know, you move on. Yeah. Stay connected, um, but be very open and not being afraid to take your time. I, I do notice that because, you know, we have to make money and we have to live off of money. That's how our system works, but not being afraid to take it slow mm-hmm. because in this profession, we need to be very ready personally and professionally to be where we need to be mm-hmm. to do our best work. And when we try to rush that process, uh, we may fall a few more times than we need to. Yeah, absolutely. I think if, if we can enter with a little bit of preparation and some savings, um, I highly advise, like when I talk about and lecture about opening private practice, I always talk about the financial piece of like having enough money saved up so that you aren't becoming impacted emotionally and psychologically to the point that you can't hold the space for the people that come in. Right. Right. But that's just a little preparation um, to ensure that success. And then it's, it, it allows you to ease into it too. You're like, that's okay. Cause yes. I've done my due diligence. I'm prepared. <laughs> so we're not um, having traumatic responses. <laughs> during the the process because that's you know the financial pieces that's how the world turns around Mm -hmm. that's how we eat and that's it's our survival so in order to not to feel in a trauma state we have to do our due diligence whatever that may be and have our supports in place Mm -hmm. yeah so then we can be open to opportunities and to the ups and downs of the learning process right when the person doesn't show up because they forgot a session or they late cancel. Yes. Like, that's all right. I got this. Absolutely. I, I don't have to worry about it. That's okay. I got it. That's right. And I can take this opportunity to read something or just take a breather and do some yeah. meditation, like mm-hmm. being open to what I can use this time for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. So if um, our listeners wanted to reach out to you and connect with you um, and find more about, your practice and the services that you provide, where should they go? Okay. So uh, my website, which is in the works right now of revamping is aimcounselinggroup.com. So it's AIM group counseling, excuse me, AIM counselinggroup.com. My, the office number is 239-221-6370. And my email is amy, A-M-I-E, at aimcounselinggroup.com. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today and share about your experience with the listeners. I hope that they find um, all the nuggets of wisdom that you put out there about this process. And um, yeah, I appreciate you. Oh, thank you so much. I, this was a wonderful opportunity to reflect. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.